0: This is the Save the Damn Score Podcast with your host, Logan Anderson. Welcome back, everybody, to the Say the Damn Score podcast. This is episode number five, and I've made it this far without posting anything too stupid to get me kicked off the internet, and I'm trying to keep it that way by bringing on Gail Seidman, owner of Publicide, which is a publicity company where she helps people, many involved in sports casting or sports in general, build personal brands that help people stand out in the crowd of what can be a competitive field. And Gail, I just want to say, how are you doing? And thanks for coming on today.
1: Awesome, Logan. Thanks for having me.
0: So I want to go through just a quick story before we get into the meat of this. As Part of this site was inspired by your your seminar that you gave at the STAA seminar in Salisbury, North Carolina, as part of the NSSA Weekend and you went through building personal brands and then on my way home I was trying to think about how I could possibly do that in the middle of nowhere South Dakota and say the damn score.com is what I came up with after thinking just about all the stories that I heard from all the broadcasters that nobody else has access to without going to those meetings so that's the start there and Part of what we're going to be talking about is building a web presence, and just to make an example of myself, I know you've been to my website a little bit. How am I doing so far? What do you like? What do you not like about it?
1: Oh, you've made great, great improvements. Um, I know that we talked a little bit about design, because after all, we're a very visual society, so you've, um, you've improved the design, you know exactly what kind of information you're going to get when you listen to a podcast, lots of good visuals. It's clear and concise, and, um, and people know where to find you, and that's most important. So if somebody wants to bring you in as their voice, they, they know where they can contact you.
0: So your bio on your website, publicide.com, says an accidental sports reporter who got into the business of PR. I want you to just quickly tell your story, give a little bit of background on yourself and how you came to be doing what you do.
1: Um, I was actually interested in journalism. I started going the journalism route when I was a student at the University of South Florida. And um, I had someone come in and speak to one of my classes, and she said, start writing, go to your school newspaper and see if you can write. And at the time when I did visit uh, the Oracle, the only position available was that of the sports writer. So I'm thinking I don't know anything much more than tennis and golf, but I'll give it a shot. And it turned out uh, that I loved it and really enjoyed the people with whom I worked, and a short time later received a thank you note from one of the coaches that I had written about, and um, my editor wasn't thrilled with that. He said, that's really nice, and I'm sure it's a nice pat on the back, but we want to be objective here, so we're able to break stories. And it was then that I tapped a friend who was in the sports information office and made the move from from the newspaper to the sports information office at USS.
0: Getting into the sports information industry, how long did it take you to kind of figure out what you were doing coming from that background?
1: I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> know. No, you know what? The business has changed so much. Um, you know. I'm not going to go back into how antiquated it was then, but, I mean, today sports information changes daily, just like any communication mode changes daily. And it's uh, it, it, it's one of those things that you learn on your feet, and I was lucky that I was with a smaller university at the time, and it, I was able to take out more responsibility than I would have been say if I was at a Big Ten school or something of that sort. I, I was actually in charge of my own sports at that time, and I was still a full-time student. So that was a great opportunity. I learned on the fly. Um, but today, of course, sports information directors not only have to take care of the numbers and, and take care of their coaches and their needs and so forth, but they're laying out their own media guides. They're doing their own social media and, um depending on the athletic department's budget they're doing so much more than we ever did so it's even though i learned on the fly at the time i had very little in terms of technology and now it's just just exploded you can imagine what we've seen even in the last 10 years
0: So, what you talked about at the seminar that really kind of got the gears turning was building personal brands as a sportscaster. And really, this could be applied to anything, not just sportscasters, but that's my target demographic. So, that's what it's kind of going to focus on. But I guess, how do you define what a personal brand is before we go into how you build it in a positive manner? Okay.
1: A personal brand, especially for a sportscaster, is who you are what you say, how you say it, how you present yourself on air, off the air. You're a walking, talking brand. And as much as people want to say that once I put down the microphone, I'm my own person, people eventually get to know your voice. They get to know you as a person on the air. And because they hear your voice every night or ever a few nights a week, they think they know you. So you have to act as a brand while you're going through
0: life so you have to accept that if that's the if that's the business you want to go into and as part of that we all have to start on the bottom rung of the ladder and we want to get the build a brand that gets the attention of people farther up what are the first couple steps you need to do in in any profession to start gaining that recognition that you want by positive brand building
1: Well, I mean, networking is always going to be a number one. Um, And I'm not talking just about rubber chicken lunches and and meet and greets and things like that, but seeing if you can get into work, even volunteer any events, whether it's game day events for your local university or professional teams, whatever, introduce yourself, shake hands, start a conversation with people in your business. Get to know them and really listen, because if you listen well enough, you'll get to know a little bit more about the industry, and they'll respect the fact that you want to hear about them. I mean, let's face it, a lot of people like to talk about themselves, and you're the beneficiary from having asked.
0: That's a good place to start, as relationship building is is not necessarily an easy thing to do. It's something that obviously is essential, as you mentioned What I've found is that you need to find a way to be of use to that person. How would you, sometimes that's not easy, especially if that person's high on the ladder. How do you help, how do you find ways to help other people when it's not easy?
1: I know even when I was starting out in PR, I would offer to do anything. In fact, I still work as a stage manager for several sports events um, around the country and one of the things that I did early on was say, you know, I'll do anything. I'll go get, get photos. I'll, I'll make copies of the show format. Um, you know, volunteer to, to do anything. Say, I'll be your gopher. I will, um, you know, help log the stats or, or something like that. Um, you really have to just put yourself out there and show that you're willing to do anything. And as people get to know you and you share your story, that's how those relationships are built. And also along the way, you'll also, you'll learn. I mean, one of the things that I've been able to take advantage of during, even though I'm on the outside support area of these TV telecasts, is that I've been able to see the growth in the television industry just by seeing how the trucks have changed and how the technology has changed. I think that's helped me a great deal, and it's helped me work with clients because I can say this is what I can tell you. This is what you're going to go through when you're on air, and this is what to expect. And remember, now we're in HD, so you have to you know, be careful with your makeup and don't make it too orange because people can see every little line. And things like that matter, especially if you're face on the air.
0: One of the things that stuck out to me in your seminar was I don't, this is an exact quote, but it's paraphrased because it was a long time ago. Was there's really no excuse at this point for not having a web presence. And if you don't have a web presence and you're not, you know, a gifted designer, where do you start trying to find one?
1: Oh my God, it is so competitive. There are, you can get a website, you can do it yourself for a few dollars by buying some host and a domain. Um, There are so many different websites that you can go to. uh, I think you've heard of Wix and Hostgator and and Wordpress. So many of these different sites have templates and services that will help you put up your own website. But if you're like me and you want just a little extra in your design, There are people out there that will do it that won't break the bank. Um, I've got somebody that I've never spoken with on the phone. I met through a Twitter contact, and I've been working with this individual from Ohio for several years. He's built client websites of mine. He's now taken over my website, and and he's also now created a network where if he's not available, he's got other people available. So it's, um, you don't have to spend a lot of money to build a quality, nice-looking, well-navigating website. And you're right. There's no excuse not to have a website, and there's no excuse not to have a good-looking, information-packed website.
0: And part of making a website that stands out is finding a niche, finding something to make it about that draws traffic instead of just, you know, a headshot and here's my demo because nobody's really yeah. going to go to that organically. That's not always an easy thing to do. How would you, obviously I was fortunate where I was able to come up with an idea that kind of is working, at least to this point. <laughs> and, uh, I hope so. And how would you tell someone to go about finding their niche in, in the branding world?
1: You know what? I think you have to do what makes you feel comfortable, Everybody has strengths, and you should draw on those. And one of the best ways to do that is to go to social media sites and see where people that you resonate with hang. And it might be um, Facebook and its ever-changing developments, or Twitter, or Snapchat, Um, Instagram. There are a lot of people on Instagram now because people like to tell their stories and pictures. I'm still a big fan of Twitter. And I've developed so many neat relationships. Um, I've established clients that way because they get the, they can look at my feed and see the way I write. And really, that's the way I talk. And a lot of things I'll, I'll talk about. I mean, I'm 98% sports, but I'll still chime in on conversations that don't, that just have to do with stuff, you know, things that are happening in life. So they, They get the feel of what they read there, and then if we get on the phone, they get a further idea of what I'm like as a person. And that's what you have to do. If you find that niche, find others like you and get into their conversation, ask questions, and, again, listen. Read them, listen to them, and see what you can glean. And you'll never know where you're going to find the next partnership or the next team that you might be involved in and all you can do is put yourself out there. Because if you don't, if you're just kind of sitting around in in the shadows of your computer, no one's going to know what you're about and what you're interested in.
0: You kind of led right into the next thing I wanted to talk about, which is maybe the greatest thing and worst thing in the world, social yeah. media. It's a great untapped empire where you can really work on building that personal brand. You can also kill that personal brand really easy if you say something stupid. No how, what what are your basic guidelines on how to build positive branding on social media especially Twitter?
1: Well, remember that social media is just that, it's social. So be engaging. Um now it's not one of those things where sometimes you feel like you're going to butt into a conversation, but if you think you have something to offer, from someone who comes across your Twitter stream, by all means, just chime in, and most likely they'll answer. And if not, you go on to the next person. But engage, and engage in conversation. And you don't—you you never know where it leads. But that's where many of my followers have come. That's where I've found followers because they might be talking about things that I'm interested in. So first, be engaging. Um, next is be informative. You want to give them something that they want. Um, we we go to a store, we buy something that we need or want, and we don't care that, um, we, we might not care that Walgreens has the brightest sign on the street and that somebody's talking about what an awesome retailer it is. We just care that they have the products that we want and need. So be informative, and that should be a major part of, of what you do. Also, um, be respectful uh, social media, as you've kind of hinted at. Doesn't isn't always a place of uh, where, where people are peaceful in their <laughs> talks? There, are, there's a lot of snark. There are a lot of whiners, but you can rise above that by simply being respectful. You can disagree with somebody's statement or somebody's tweet, but you don't have to use vulgar language or criticize them. It might be one of those agree-to-disagree things. And one of my other things is, you know, I realize that everybody has a bad day, but don't whine. Um, there are a lot of people who will and they will complain on social media about every sniffle that they have and they stub their toe and whatever, and in my mind... They're bigger people with much bigger issues in this world. So, be grateful for what you have, and and focus on the positive as much as you can. Unless you see that, unless you go into a PR situation and you see an example of bad PR, and you say, "This is what I think is wrong, and this is how I'm going to change it," etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, another thing to do is to use visuals. Visuals are very important. The click. Percentage is huge when um, still photos or videos are used, so be use those whenever possible. Um, respond to comments and queries. Just don't let them sit there because that otherwise says that you're not interested. And then, especially on actually on almost all of the social media sites now, you can favorite a comment or a query, so they know that you're there. I happen to not be a big fan of Facebook, but I'm there because I have to. And I'll favorite some things once in a while and chime in with a couple of words. But um, it's one of those things that just let people know that you're there.
0: So, and oops, sorry. the
1: next thing is to use social media where you know that your audience is going to be because not every social media platform is good for you. So again, when you find that niche, go to and research and look out for people that you think are going to be helpful to you and you in return.
0: So I had an interesting conversation with my younger sister a little while back. She was a senior in high school, and I was talking about why she hadn't responded to something I had posted to her on Facebook. And at that point, I was not particularly active on Twitter, and she said, "'That's where all the old people are. I don't go (laughs) there anymore.'" How do you follow where your audience is? I I feel like that's not always an easy thing to do.
1: It's not that you have an idea because you're listening. Remember, you're listening, you're reading, so you know where everybody is, and especially in the sports industry, all you have to do is turn on a studio show and you know who's posting where. Twitter's still very popular amongst those in sports. Instagram is huge now most, most of the bigger sports organizations are on Snapchat. And that's something I have to do a little bit more, but I'm not, into, I'm, I'm not big into the formats that disappear, and Snapchat formats will eventually disappear. But with, with all of them, you have to read. You have to see where they are. And if you notice that people on Facebook are only posting about their kids going back to school or politics or whatever and that's not your niche then you know you have to be somewhere else
0: so let's just pretend that tomorrow i go on a ranting raving cursing rant about (laughs) donald trump and everything that i dislike about him or whatever and say Um, a lot of really stupid things how do you recover from a mistake on social media
1: you know first come right out and apologize don't uh, one of the most frequent things that that we make fun of and that we see all too often are politicians or athletes that claim they got hacked. Well, you know what? We've been down that road before, and we know that that's usually not the case. <laughs> so just come out and say that you know I was over emotional. I shouldn't have posted that. I regret offending anyone not not if I offended anyone because you likely offended anyone so I know I offended some of you and I sincerely apologize I hope you will let me make it up to you so be straightforward it's like it's like traditional PR of 50 years ago if you come out with, and be honest about it from the outset chances are the bad stuff will go away quicker
0: Do you have stories or examples of what I like to call horror stories of clients, without of course using names, not necessarily clients, but experiences of people who have done dumb things on Twitter or Facebook that you can share with us?
1: I've been really lucky. You know, one of the things that I do for the most part, um, I, I like to coach people in what to do, what to say, whatever, I think one of the biggest challenges i've had is somebody who thinks that um, they're not worthy of their role and i insist that 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 he might be he might be so humble that he doesn't realize the value that he brings to his industry but you know the rest of us see it so don't downplay yourself um, you know we we all make mistakes but I've never really had anybody who has gone on a stark raving crazed outburst and I'm fortunate with that but also if that does happen I know how to try and fix it and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell them right out get in front of it because if you don't everybody that you're following and and that tweet is out there forever I don't care if you delete it screens people save those screens forever and the best thing you can do is own it and move on.
0: Have you ever had somebody ready to push send and then call you and ask, is this a good idea to send, and you tell them no, no, no? I
1: have. I have. I've had people direct message me and say, what do you think about this? Should I send it? And I'll promise you, I've done it. I've done it plenty of times, because especially with the election season coming up and all the issues happening in sports, there are several times that I've wanted to say things kind of like grabbing somebody by the collar and say, listen, don't you realize what the deal is? But you resist doing it. You think for a minute and you delete. I can't tell you how many times I've deleted something before I've sent it. But yes, people have asked me, is, you know, am I okay posting about this or that?
0: So what are some examples in popular media, maybe not with clients, but just with people, who have yeah. made mistakes and atoned for them well, instead of trying to cover them up. Oh my goodness! Um, you know, I I'm trying to think of them offhand. Um, shoot, or we can Logan, just go the other I, way, I and we can. I,
1: yeah, I'm just drawing a blank. I certainly know that they're there, and if you read my blog, you'll see a lot of them. Um,
0: so I've read your blog, and I've read that you have a lot of. You know, criticism on the way the NFL has handled a lot of their stuff. What can we learn from their mistakes?
1: And you know what? I was going to say that, but, you know, I always come with a disclaimer. I love the NFL. But I think that sometimes it misprioritizes things. And I'll give you a for instance. Today there was a story in the New York Times about how the NFL won't, there's somebody who has, a tape that can that contains most of Super Bowl 1. And the NFL he had the guy someone assessed this guy's find, which his father recorded years ago, assessed it at a value of 1 million dollars. Years ago he tried to sell it to the NFL. The NFL would only give him $30,000. Now we know the NFL is flush with cash. It is just it's made of money. And yet the league was trying to shortchange this guy on a very valuable piece of property that I think that fans would benefit from. So the story in the New York Times that is only, especially with this week with Super Bowl 50 coming up, it's not a very good look. And a million dollars to the NFL is pittance. So if it really wanted to make good on its image, this league that spent millions of dollars hiring lawyers to get to the bottom of alleged deflated footballs, it should drop a million dollars and get the footage to Super Bowl One, for which there really isn't a, they, They've pieced together something for NFL Network, but they don't have anything as comprehensive as what this guy has. So instead... They've threatened the guy with legal action if he sells it to anybody else because it it infringes on the, its copyright, and everybody loses. In my mind, anyway, I think make the fans happy. Show this piece of just it's it's video gold. It's sports gold. It's so valuable, and the NFL could actually, if it drops a million dollars, buys this thing. I think it could wash any of the a lot of the bad taste that it's put in our mouths with everything from deflate gate to concussions and kind of put that out of people's minds in the short term.
0: So we're going to jump around a little bit back to something we we're talking about earlier. If this was a normal yeah. interview I probably wouldn't do this but it's okay, a podcast so I can do whatever no, I, the heck I want. I appreciate it because I
1: just freaked when I I mean there's so many so many sports organizations that have done it badly but I just
0: couldn't <laughs> When it's hard to think of someone to do well, you who did it well, you know that's a problem.
1: Right, right.
0: One of the challenges I know I'm personally running into is I'm a Midwest boy. I was raised in Nebraska. I live in South Dakota. We're almost raised to not draw attention to ourselves and kind of just try yeah. to work hard behind the scenes. You can't do that if you want to build a personal brand, but... I guess the way I wrote this down kind of in my notes going into this was, how do you say, look at me, look at what I'm doing, without saying, look at me in an irritating and annoying way?
1: You know what? There's so many branding tools out there, social media being one of them, video being another, and you shouldn't feel bad about putting your talents out there anymore. It's something that you're proud of. It's something that you can share with other people. Um, you know again, if you feel like it can help somebody, if it can entertain somebody, um, be of benefit to someone else, I mean, remember, this isn't all about you. This isn't you going out and saying, "Hey, look at me. You're just saying, "Hey, I have something to offer." And I'd be really grateful if you took a listen or a watch or or whatever. It's really nothing to to be ashamed of anymore. And women went through the same thing when it came into breaking, breaking into sports. And some women still have issues because, unfortunately, there are men that their main objective is to take them down regardless of how, how talented they are. And there are many, many talented women in sports today. But unfortunately, they, they put themselves out there. They put their knowledge out there. And there's always somebody ready to take them down. Well, you know what? The strong survive and the strong keep muddling through and and prove them wrong.
0: You know, most of this particular website is is audio-based or writing-based. How important is it to have video and pictures? You talked a little bit about that earlier. You know, how important is that? Can you do it without it?
1: You can do it without it, but I wouldn't suggest it. And it's one of those things, do as I say, not as I do, because I don't do a lot of video myself, because I don't care for myself on video, but you ask one of my clients, and whenever I'm with them, I bring um, a laugh mic and you know do sit-down interviews with them for 30 seconds or a minute at a time, because I think it's really important to get in front of the camera. So it's, like I said earlier, is that we're in a very visual society, and people want to see the people that come into our homes uh, on the radio, um, on the Internet, on TV. They want to hear a little bit more about them. They want to see who they are. So as far as I'm concerned, I think visuals are very important.
0: are going to go back to the Twitter, the Twitter yeah. stuff just because you talked about something earlier where you can delete something, but it's already out there if it's yeah. a mistake made. Would you even bother deleting it at this point, or would you just say, you know what, you can look back, I've apologized for my mistake, look at my reply, this is how I handled it? Would it almost be in better to not delete things at this point?
1: It really depends on what it is. Um, there's a, a, for instance, the Wisconsin, um, the, the inter, uh, Interathletic Association here for high schools created some some guidelines for fans, I guess many years ago, but it was brought to the forefront by an athlete from one of the high schools who saw it and called it BS, but in, in more vivid terms. And she owned, she owned the tweet. She had no intention of taking it down. She didn't care who saw it. Um, it had a couple four-letter words. People said that she should have used a different direction, and maybe she should have, but she owned it, and she didn't take it down but there are others that will go on rants they become especially athletes that have just gotten off the playing field the playing court they get so emotional and they go on twitter rants and then all of a sudden you'll see them you'll see that they've taken it down they've either, either taken their account down or deleted the tweets but you know what people take screenshots and they're there forever so it really depends on what the situation is I happen to have a lot of respect for this girl because she owned it and created a conversation not just within the state of Wisconsin, but nationwide, and people are still talking about it. So, you know, I I personally thought that the WIAA was out of line, and it didn't handle it well from a PR sense. Its responses were smug and condescending, and it it kind of just proved what she said. So, you know, in that case, Great. Leave it up. Own it. But if it's something that is vile or um, is threatening to somebody else, by all means take it down and and try and, and stop the bleeding as much as possible.
0: I know you're just about out of time, so we gotta let you go soon, but yeah, one of the the things you hear in advertising, I do advertising sales as well, so that's yeah. about building brands for businesses instead of myself. but you hear right there is no negative advertising. any publicity is good to a degree. Do you buy that? Not
1: at all <laughs> no, in fact, I'm in the business of trying to clean up some of that not all not all publicity is good publicity and I believe that there are reasons why there are crisis communications experts because when you say something that's out of line and you need somebody to advise you, should you delete it, should you say something, um, what kind of a statement if you do say something, I I don't believe that all publicity is good publicity. It can definitely take a brand down and it can do it very quickly.
0: Okay, once again, we're visiting with Gail Seidman, the owner of Publicide on the Say the Damn Score podcast. And Gail, give yourself a plug for your website, what you do. (laughs) If someone wanted to be your client, who's one of my tens of loyal listeners, give yourself a plug.
1: Um, You can find me at Publicide.com. That's P-U-B-L-I-S-I-D-E-S is in Sam, so Publicide.com. Dot com, I'm also active on Twitter, and I'm at Publicide on Twitter and Facebook slash Publicide. So I really only post on my professional page on Facebook. I'm not there very often on my personal page. So if you want to chit chat, that's really not the place to do it. <laughs> but you know, feel free to toss an email my way. I'm I'm usually good about answering them, unless. Somehow it gets lost in the shuffle, but I'm usually pretty good about answering them. And engage with me on Twitter, because I'm on there frequently. I take part in several different conversations, and and I enjoy it. I enjoy the rapport.
0: All right. Well, thanks again for joining us, and have a wonderful rest of your evening.
1: Thank you, Logan. Same to you.
0: This has been Say the Damn Score podcast number five. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Or you can go down to the bottom of this page and you can subscribe to our email subscriptions. And thanks for tuning in. We'll be back in two weeks with another one on SayTheDamnScore.com.